hidden behind closed doors. This is Beer and Be Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Jason, what movie are we discussing today? We are going to discuss The Ghost Keeper. Shot in 1980, released in 1982. What are we going to be drinking while we discuss this? I thought long and hard about this one. And I chose the Stock Ale from Guinness, the Guinness Brewery in Baltimore, Maryland. It's a, a blend of an imperial stout and a barley wine, and they were aged in bullet bourbon barrels. Oh. So this is a rich, smoky, toasty beer. Yeah, I like I like that. I'm a fan. I was thinking this movie set in the mountains in Canada during a winter storm. It's New Year's Eve. I thought Imperial Stouts, Barley Wines, Bourbon. If you're stuck in a lodge or on a fire, a nice big beer like this, or if you took the individual components, those two beers and bourbon, it'd all be nice things. They'd be welcome around a fire in a snowstorm. Or if you're caught out in the snow, a flask of bourbon on your chest, that, that, that's not going to hurt. This is this is a pretty serious beer. This is a big, heavy beer. I like it. No, it's a big taste for me, and it's good. It would be a sipping beer for me. I don't think this is something where I'm like, I'm going to drink a six-pack. <laughs> no, this is this is not one you're slamming in the bleachers. It's 10%, so it is very much a sipper. You'd want this. Um, ideally, you don't don't want it too cold. You're going to get lose a lot of flavor if it's too cold. It's only distributed in the United States. Oh. Guinness opened the brewery in Baltimore. This one is made in the United States and only distributed here. So that's kind of interesting. This would be a perfect sitting there next to a big fire, sipping this after a day on the slopes or just wandering around doing nothing in the snow. If, you know, if you're a cigar person, you might have a cigar with it. I would just drink this. And for New Year's Eve, it's a holiday film, Michael. This, this, this is a holiday film. This is a holiday film. And I will take claim. I picked this movie. I just happened upon it on Amazon Prime. I just went, well, this is interesting. I don't know what this is. And I watched it. Ghost Keeper sounds interesting, and it's, it fits the B movie. It does, and it, for me, it fits the B movie. It's a genre pick, um, not a huge budget. <laughs> In fact, the, the budget <laughs> dried up, so they didn't even have enough movie enough money to finish it. So they had to sort of piece together with what they had. So, in my opinion, this very much meets the B-movie standard, you have a little more to add. You did a, you did a bit of a deep dive yes. on the finances. <laughs> I went down this rabbit hole about Canadian movies made during this, referred to as tax shelter films. And I'm just going to read a couple bullet points. I, I Honestly, interesting enough, I forgot to mention this. I think there's a documentary now about this period of Canadian films. I thought you were going to say there was a documentary about this movie. <laughs> Even better. But no, so tax shelter films were films made in Canada between 75 and 82 when the Canadian federal government allowed investors to deduct 100% of their investment in Canadian feature films from their taxable income, as long as it met some of these requirements. So all of a sudden there was a huge upshot in films during that time period. For example, in 1979, the peak year for these tax shelter films, 77 movies were made in Canada, 99 were made in Hollywood. So you're getting pretty close competition. And during this time period, 
some great films such as Meatballs, Prom Night, Quest for Fire, <laughs> Porkies. Eventually, the period ended in about 82. They reduced, the Canadian government reduced the tax credit to 50%. And it kind of dried out. Also, and I'm going to read something that a critic pointed out. Before you read that, I just have to point out on that list of movies you read, I, I noticed Ghost Keeper was absent. <laughs> no. It was noticeably absent from your list of, of movies that myself and others have heard of. <laughs> because, like, you know, I don't think many people have heard of this film. <laughs> No, and, and that's what they pointed out. They said, you know, this was to increase Canada's its status in the film community across the world. But in fact, this is what someone wrote. Many of the films did not receive distribution, and many that did were derivative efforts practically indistinguishable from poorly made American films. It had its brief time period, and hey, if I could write off 100% of my investment in something, who's not going to throw money at it? But as you pointed out, the movie ran out of funding halfway through the film. And the writer-director, James, and I'm going to slaughter his last name, Michael, Makachuk? We'll go with Makachuk. Okay, Makachuk. And and we're sorry, James, for pronouncing your name incorrectly. You want to find some interesting interviews about filmmaking. He, You can dig up his interviews online. We'll link out to a couple of them. And he pointed out that he shot this movie sequentially. And at one point, they just ran out of money. (laughs) He's like, we're going to finish this film. So we're going to make up what we're seeing. (laughs) Every day, I'm going to come up with a scene. We're going to shoot it. At the same time, when he finished, the movie was not long enough (laughs) for a theatrical release. So all... The extra cuts he made, he gave to the editor, Stan Cole, and they were able to package a movie that comes in around 87 minutes. I do have to say, (laughs) if your investors are able to write off 100% of the money they sink into your movie, what does it say about your movie that they stop giving you money? They looked at the dailies and were like, no. (laughs) Like, first of all, where's Keeper? Where's the ghost? Do we want to talk about Wendigos right now? First of all, the movie opens with this line. In the Indian legends of North America, there exists a creature called a Wendigo, a ghost who lives on human flesh. I did a lot of reading about Wendigos. (laughs) I thought I knew more about Wendigos than I did, but one thing I never did come across was a Wendigo described as a ghost. I mean, one one constant with the Wendigo is that cannibalism is involved. I've read it described as a supernatural creature or just a supernatural demon that will possess a person once they give in and succumb to the ingestion of human flesh. If you're a cannibal, you can become a Wendigo. There's a reason, I believe, it's in the like upper upper Midwest, Minnesota, up into Canada, because people often were trapped in horrible winters <laughs> and they run out of food. You know, you're not finding that in the tropics as much. It's you're stuck in a snowstorm, you're stranded, and you have to resort, you know, the Donner Party, these places where you get trapped and you, it's horrible. It's a, we laugh about it now, but it's, it wasn't funny then. But the Wendigo possessed the person or the person would become a Wendigo. So right off the bat, you get the Wendigo ghost. It's not a ghost. There's a ghost keeper. Right from the get-go, you're sort of thrown into these muddied waters of what is going on. Is there going to be a Wendigo? Is there going to be a ghost? Will there be keeping? And then, <laughs> and then some of the shots I think you were talking about, we go to some you know, really beautiful shots of mountains, a mountainous area with snow on the peaks and it's snowing and there's a very eerie soundtrack which holds throughout. 
I agree. Let me just add on to that Wendigo discussion. James in some of his interviews, he pointed out that since they were shooting the movie sequentially, by the time they got to their first Wendigo, he basically tells a story that says, listen, we only have this guy for half a day now. <laughs> so when you see the Wend- the Wendigos are red hairy because when you see the Wendigo <laughs> for the limited time in this movie, very limited it's the, it looks like the same shot. I was hoping for a full-on Wendigo. If people are familiar with um, the Wendigo, I think some people are familiar because Algernon Blackwood wrote a short story in 1910 called The Wendigo. It's a, it's a creepy story. It's a creepy I, story. I've read it. It's a good story. Go out and find it. This Wendigo, this Wendigo is a lot scarier than Ghost Keepers. Yes, exactly. This, this is the world's lamest Wendigo. And how did you describe this Wendigo? <laughs> <laughs> As a Midwesterner, I feel comfortable saying this, but it looks like any contestant in a chew-spitting contest at a county fair in the Midwest. That's what the Wendigo looks like. Yeah. It's a big... Slovenly guy with an unkempt beard and in a flannel, and he just slowly lumbers. Does I mean, he just sways back and forth, really, and whines. He has a whine. It's not even like a scary growl. It's like it's pathetic. Let me let me say this: Michael's description of the Wendigo is longer than you actually get to see the Wendigo in this film. There's a point where our main character does gain some knowledge on the Wendigo. There is a book that she sees. It's actually a real book. It's Ella Elizabeth Clark's 1960 book um, referred to as Indian Legends of Canada. And you could look online, you could order the book, and on page 120 it talks about the Wendigo. But there's not enough Wendigo in this movie when, for me. When you say they had him for a half day, I'm like, they wasted three quarters of that half. They, you see the Wendigo three times. Yes. I went back and looked at all three times. I'm convinced it's the same shot. The first time you get the longest, and it's five to ten seconds. And then the other two are just shots of that shot. We're getting ahead of ourselves, yes. though, because the mo- the movie starts with, with a bang. You get this couple snowmobiling they find this little shop this little store in the mountains they stop they go in we are introduced to one of the single most unlikable characters i've ever seen in film (laughs) marty he's this arrogant condescending jerk then he proceeds to insult the shopkeeper in every way you can he says when's the whittling start and says, look, Gramps, calls him Gramps, and just rude, just a jerk. No, right off, you realize Marty is not going to make it through this movie. And at this point, I agree with you, I think, I'm hoping this Wendigo that was in the initial credit is going to get Marty. <laughs> and I'm not going to spoil it at this point, but there is no Wendigo involved. No, 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 no. And, and, and you just keep hoping Marty meets a horrible The guy. shopkeeper's a little odd because people do walk in and he pays. I mean, listen, Marty is completely off base. He is a complete douche. But at the same time, the shopkeeper makes no semblance of trying to connect with people who are coming into his shop. Not at hello. all. No. There's no hello. He's just doing a crossword or something, smoking a pipe. And he's looking at something, and Marty reaches over and is like, ah, Florida, Fort Lauderdale. You know what fills those bikini? (laughs) Marty has four types of dialogue in this movie. It's either about sex. It's arguing with Jenny mainly about sex. It's about snow machines. (laughs) 
we could have, we were going to refer to them as snowmobiles. And then at the very end, he has a discussion about his father. But those are his conversation topics. That's all shallow. his depth of his character. He's shallow. And, and the lady with him, Jenny, his girlfriend, yeah. she's polite to the shopkeeper. And it's you know clear. She says something nice. He goes, hey, there's coffee over on the stove. Marty keeps trying to endear himself by being douchier and douchier. Very odd plan on his part. Then all of a sudden, another snowmobile shows up and in walks... The lady in red. Chrissy, who's a friend of theirs. And she's, she just comes off as a slut. <laughs> just, I'm just going to say it. She carries herself that way. She's also very arrogant, very full of herself, condescending, looking down her nose at everything. We find out that they and a bunch of friends, they're all staying at a lodge. It's New Year's Eve. This is the holiday picture. They're all staying at a lodge. Chrissy had bailed because everybody was sleeping, or she says sleeping or something. Yeah. So the <laughs> sexual undertones are all over. Or they're hanging out, getting ready for the party. She went up there with a geophysicist or something, some person who's boring. So she ditched him. Interesting that she found Marty and Jenny. Yes. And, happenstance. <laughs> and, and immediately, Marty's giving her looks. You go, well, he's looking at Chrissy in a way that... He should be looking at his girlfriend. So right there sets the table for what's to come in like a battle to see who can be the biggest, most annoying <laughs> jerk, Chrissy or Marty. So, and, and there's two horror tropes that take place almost immediately. One, the shopkeeper says, he says, there's worse things out there than getting lost. Which in all horror movies, you always have some gatekeepers. Don't yep. do this. The, the and, local with knowledge. Yeah. And then they take off. They're on their snowmobiles, and it's the other trope, the option. They come across a trail that says, do not enter, or road close. I forget exactly what it says. And they get, Let's take it. The, the, the shopkeeper warns them that, but he also points out there's a storm coming. He said, you should be heading back, because they want to go off and explore. But he, not only does he say, hey, there are worse things than getting lost, he says, there's a big storm coming. So they've been very forewarned. But they continue. Jenny is reluctant to even go on. And when they get to that road, she's even more unwilling, more just, we shouldn't, we should turn back. Chrissy hassles her a bit about it. Says, you know, this isn't, this isn't the first time you broke any rules. And Marty is just the most insensitive person on earth. At that point, I thought, why doesn't Jenny just take one of the snowmobiles and go back? Let those two continue on. I almost look at this movie as being a, a lesson on snowmobile mechanics because <laughs> I would think if you're going to take off and go in a place that you've never been before and you're driving snowmobiles, you know, know something about how your snowmobiles operate. Know how to fix something if you get stuck somewhere because of their reluctance to listen to Jenny and their adventurous, gung-ho, douchey spirit. <laughs> They take off on this road. So once again, a horror trope. They they take the road that they shouldn't be taking. It's a storm coming. We're now 11 minutes into this movie. <laughs> yes. This movie is padded with some beautiful scenery. It's ominous. That soundtrack works. They needed to pad it because they didn't... The, the film was finished and it was not long enough. It, but it adds to it because it makes you tense and all of a sudden we're like, what's going to happen? And more and more the intensity built. It's almost by, in spite of itself, by accident, they created this moody film. Whereas if they had enough money, it might not have had that feel yeah. and it might have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> so they cruise up this trail. Chrissy's riding her machine. It just breaks. She's doing some hot rotting and all of a sudden it breaks down. Okay, they filmed 
at a, a true lodge. The it's deer. called the Deer Lodge in Lake Louise, Alberta, Canada. There's a co-writing credit on this besides James. And as he's pointing out in an interview, the reason his friend gets a co-writing credit is that he knew the people who ran the lodge so they could film there. <laughs> he pointed out when they get into the lodge, they didn't have to really do anything. That's what the lodge looked like. <laughs> so Marty gets over to help Chrissy. The machine's busted. They can't get back on one yep. snowmobile. Again, that's the moment if I'm Jenny, I hop on the one that works. Take off. Get out of there. They break into the lodge. Uh, that well, it, that let's, it, not, let's not say they broke it. They just literally opened the door. <laughs> <laughs> this lodge is not locked up. They, in, <laughs> they entered the lodge. And it's funny because they say, you know, oh, nobody's here because there's no tracks around. They go into the lodge and it's warm. Jenny points it out. But like the first thing you would think is if you walked into a lodge and you knew know the heat's on, why is it on? So Marty and Chrissy up their little flirtation they look at the at the at the reservation book and see the last reservation was five years previous. Chrissy puts on some accent, acts like a jerk, pretending she's some princess or something. It's annoying. They decide, well, we're gonna be here. Let's kind of explore. And they do that standard horror trope where they decide to explore by themselves, not in a group. You come across a strange lodge. No one's been there in five years. The heat's on, and I would say they're just saying the heat's on because you'll see these actors and actresses. You see the breath coming out of them. Yeah. I don't think there's any heat on this lodge while they're filming. And, of course, Marty does another douchey thing where I think he jumps out and scares Jenny. Chrissy. <laughs> like, Chrissy. Yeah. When, when she goes over, she's standing by, like, the, the check-in booth, and all of a sudden he jumps out. Yeah. Yeah, Marty is a horrible person on, yeah. on every level. <laughs> he's just he's a horrible person, a terrible boyfriend. He's just... And you get your first potential horrific element jenny goes she finds the room there's an open window she goes to close the window and we hear whispered jenny and then you get the close-up of the eye with the string here and that's actually creepy it is it's done really well and i'm thinking that's the wendigo yes it's the wendigo it's not yes that (laughs) it's ghosty it's it's the ghost keeper it's the fireside chat scene and this scene is really uncomfortable you really already know that Marty and Chrissy in your standard horror movie are not going to make it out because they're douchey. And this scene takes this douchiness level up to another level. It's New Year's Eve. Marty's there with his girlfriend and another woman who's a friend in their social circles. And the first thing Marty does is he's singing this traditional Mexican folk song called Silento Lindo. Ay, 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 ay. It's fraternity sing it, running group sing it. But it's a it's a drinking song that's about raping, screwing, and pissing out windows. It, you know, it is. this is. <laughs> I think I think at, at one point I described this this little scene yeah. as like this, this is foreplay that would make the family in the hills have eyes uncomfortable. Yes, it's done really well. Where you're like, this is really uncomfortable because he sings that, and then Michael, what is Chrissy? <laughs> Chrissy, and and I and I think it's important to add, while he's singing, he's looking at Chrissy, and she starts singing with him. Meanwhile, yes. Jenny is sort of, they're just, she's the third wheel. She's yeah. off sitting by herself, yeah. being rather bland. Chrissy starts talking about, you know, have you ever told somebody a deep, dark secret? And Marty goes, you mean like I have VV? sense for his character to say that because all his conversations about yeah, sex. Yes, this, this man has had a penicillin shot for something. And then Chrissy tells this really upsetting story 
about how when she was 16, she wanted to prostitute herself. And so one day when it was raining and cold, she was walking home, a substitute teacher picked her up and she just seduced him. Twice for 40 they, bucks. They did it for two, two times for $40. She said 100 The guy gave, said, I don't have 100 but all he makes in a day for substitute teaching is $40, so she took all of it. While she's telling this story, Marty's all smiling, and he gets comfortable, like puts yeah. his hands behind his head, and like kind of snuggles in, and he's like listening. He's like, wow, this is a real turn-on. Yeah. <laughs> and Jenny's just blankly staring. It puts a low in the car. Con- it just stops the conversation. Everybody's looking at each other. And, the- and really, it's only Jenny. But they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, if Jenny wasn't here, we'd be knocking boots right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and even Ghosty would be would be like you guys are creepy yeah you know because <laughs> even though Wendigo would probably be like you know what never mind I'm gonna stay in my ice cave yeah. down here forget you people I'm, you know on second thought I'm not hungry for human flesh but so Marty gets are, Marty Marty goes to find some wine they drank all the wine and that's when he gets jumped we hope by the Wendigo <laughs> and it ends up being the this ghost, old lady the ghost keeper and I just want to point out we're now almost 30 minutes into the movie where we, we had a glimpse of her stringy eye and we thought maybe a Wendigo, but now we want it's just a crazy lady. Yeah, and she's she's pretty menacing. Yeah. She's she is she is pretty scary. The best actress, I mean, she is honestly the best actress in the film. I think she's the one who had some of the most film credits and everything like that. But because these are all local I mean another reason when you mention the D movie, these are all local no name actors and actresses. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what they did past this. I read an article when the movie first came out in the local newspaper and said, like, local theater actors, like, starring in movies. So, not I think, I think Ghosty did more theater yes. than anything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and, and I'll tell you one other thing to give it its B-movie bona fides is if you get a writing credit because you know somebody who owns, <laughs> owns a ski lodge, and so that's how they found a location... That you might be in a B movie. Yes, if that's the case. So, so they run in. Marty's yelling. There's a big crash. They run in, turn the lights on. There's Ghosty, and she's sort of creepy. They try talking to her, and Chrissy says at one point, "Jenny, she's looking at you. Talk to her." So Jenny tries to talk to her. Ghosty says, "You can't stay here." She and they say, "Our stuff broke down," and she's like, "You can't stay here." And Marty makes this dumb joke about. Oh, you know what? Actually, we're polar bears and we're looking to rough it inside. And nobody laughs. That just shows nobody thinks he's funny. Jenny just flat out says, we're not going out there. It's 40 below. We're, you know, so Ghosty's like, you know, you're a tough cookie. And it's that moment she's focused on Jenny. There's something going on there. I agree. And also she says, I've lived at this lodge my entire life. And I have a son who's about somewhere, which... Actually excites Chrissy. She's like, oh, another guy, eh? Yeah. <laughs> this might mix things up. And I'm thinking, you know, you have now raised the creepiness level. I would not be excited. No. You're in a lodge. There's a creepy woman who's been watching you. And now she says, I have a son. He's somewhere about. So yeah. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, like her son's going to be Paul Newman, <laughs> and you know, walking down the stairs being like, how are you doing, Chrissy? Exactly. Yeah. You, know, you look at her, her behavior and everything. You're like the offspring. You're, you're turned on. You're titillated by the idea of her offspring being around. And I assume the son, when she met son, was the Wendigo. I mean, I'm still thinking, like, oh, the Wendigo is going to come out. And it's Jason, be... they built the Wendigo <laughs> up so much. I know we already covered it a little bit. But they, it was like the whole time you're just, like, waiting. 
and and I shouldn't have been like waiting for like some epic cool creature or something, but I just kept going like you. Yeah. Oh, that's the Wendigo. This is going to be the Wendigo. Oh, the Wendigo is going to come out. But no, no, she just goes. He's about somewhere. She lets them stay there tonight. And she walks them through the rooms. Jenny and Marty, they get the room. And Jenny point blankly asks Marty, do you want to sleep with her? And I'm thinking, this is New Year's Eve. You're there with your girlfriend. You're in a creepy place, but you're going to try to make your best. And your response is, of course not, honey. But his response is, it's not like you own me. And he just browbeats Jenny. She always wants to start things with him. And he wants to live his own life. And she says, well, what about what things I want to do? And he's like, hey. You have the right to do the same things. Just remember who pays the bills. I'm like, what a douchey oh. thing. She's like, you're not even man enough to admit that you want to sleep with her. He's like, I'm going to go wash up. Yeah. And we're all thinking, yeah, he's you're going to go try to bang <laughs> yeah. Chrissy. He drops the crazy on her. He's like, you know what? I thought about the other day. I'm like, this is what you spend your time thinking about, Marty? Yeah. You're horrible. <laughs> he's like, you're afraid you're going to end up like your old lady. Crazy. And we, we figure out... Oh, Chris, Jenny's mom had some mental issues. Yeah. Meanwhile, we find out Ghosty is outside the door listening. listening. And Jenny gets upset, appropriately. Yeah. Says, don't say that. Don't call me crazy. Yeah. That's not nice. Yeah. And Marty's like, man, he leaves anyway. He's yeah. like, gonna go, I'm going to go cat around and look for Chrissy, yeah. who he bumps into. <laughs> because Chrissy apparently decided, you know what she wants to do? Take a bath on New Year's Eve in a creepy hotel. Now that they found this place, which, by the way, they go to the rooms, open it, it's unlocked. That some somebody comments, you know, they're no, it's not locked, and the old lady goes, "No, these doors are locked. There's no <laughs> locked door. You're in this really disturbing lodge. You met Ghosty, who's creepster at Creepsville, and she informs you her son is lurking about, and." The place hasn't been inhabited. They haven't had a customer in five years. Yeah. And she specifically says, there's some hot water, but not much. And Chrissy's like, I'm going to go take a soak. Yeah, I'm going to use all the hot water. She bumps into Marty. She says, I'm going to go take a yeah. bath. Marty walks off and he's gone for a while. And this is a strange scene where it builds tension because you have Chrissy slowly undressing and fold in your clothes. And for a horror B-movie, I'm thinking at this point, we're going to see some boobs. And honestly, I believe the first time I watched the movie, I thought I saw I thought I saw a Chrissy boob. No. There has to be another cut out there. Same thing. I felt the same thing. They were almost defiantly <laughs> going against all the tropes of that era. Remember, 1980, 82. Yeah. This was just slasher film central. Yeah. Every horror movie was about scantily clad, nude young women being slaughtered by a psycho, violently going against those norms, which might be one of the reasons no one's <laughs> heard of it. And so she's meticulously undressing. What you also see is someone slowly walking up the stairs like boot sounds. I'm thinking, Wendigo, please. <laughs> this would be a good time for a Wendigo, yeah. wouldn't it? And then it also shows back and forth. Chrissy undressing, steps Chrissy undressing. They're really pulling out this scene. I've never seen anyone ever take that much care to get their clothes off for a bath. She soaks in the tub, and once again, no boobs at all. None. No. All of a sudden, we find Danny, the son. He's right there. He got into the bathroom without her knowing, and he shoves her head down under the water. We presume... 
drowning her. He made so much racket walking up the stairs, and he, when he walks in the room, like, she doesn't hear him. <laughs> or maybe she's kind of thinking, like, oh, this is Danny, you know, this is the, this is my, gonna be my New Year's Eve delight. We don't see it, but he gets her out and down the stairs because Jenny, she comes out of the room, the door to the bathroom's open, the tub's full, she's looking for Chrissy, and then Ghosty comes out. And there's a very important line there because Ghosty says, you know, you're an okay one. You are tough inside. You got to be tough to handle this job. Yep. And I'm getting older. And it's a really foreshadowing where you think, okay, well, is there a torch that's going to be passed where Ghosty is going to pass this torch down to Jenny and she's going to take care of the Wendigo? And I also say, when you saw her son come up and, and, and drowned Chrissy, it's clearly not a Wendigo. So you're like, oh, okay, well, that's not a Wendigo. Maybe the Wendigo's, there's no Wendigo in this movie. Maybe it's just a big red herring. She's keeping a ghost of a just, Wendigo. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> at this point, at this point, I'll take anything. I'll, yeah. I'll take a dog with like a rug <laughs> over it like they did in the Killer Shrews. <laughs> So after she talks to Ghosty, Marty pops up out of nowhere and he's eating something. So I guess maybe they think we're supposed to assume he went sneaking out, found some food. I wouldn't trust any food no, in that place. No. <laughs> so he pops up out of nowhere. And the first thing he says to his girlfriend, Jenny, is seeing Chrissy around? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it, it's like you go, you just it's, it's a challenge. You just keep going, you know what, Marshy, Mar- Marty, you can't be any worse of a person. And he goes, I accept that challenge. <laughs> and, and he just does something worse because that is just horrible. <laughs> and Jenny kind of goes, hey, yeah. whatever, dude. And she goes in the bedroom. Does he follow her? No. Where, where does he go? <laughs> he goes to Chrissy's room and knocks on the door. And he's like, he's whispering her name and there's no response. And then Marty, in the douchiest things, says... Happy New Year's, Marty. <laughs> Clearly his plan was to sleep with Chrissy. And now his New Year's is awful because he has to go back to the room with his girlfriend. <laughs> this reminded me of a Scooby-Doo cartoon because their rooms are all next to each other, but no one passes each other. It's like they're going in and out of doors. <laughs> really? Danny's carrying a body down, stomping down. Like you keep waiting, like Jenny pokes her head out the door and then she pokes it out and the Wendigo's head is with her and she's like, whoa, what's going on? And then they're just running indoors now. No one runs into each other. Marty opens the door and the Wendigo's there. In the bathtub. So while this is going on, though, we get our payoff, dude. The Wendigo is here. We cut to Danny carrying the naked Chrissy. Although we don't see anything, I'm okay with it, but it's just odd for the time. Down a hallway, and one of the walls is ice. It's like huge one-foot-by-one-foot blocks of ice. And there's a door smack dab in the middle of this ice wall. And he drags her there, and we hear a little moan from the other side of the door. And we're like, yes! The Wendigo. (laughs) And he unlocks the door and opens it. And then all of a sudden, Chrissy's alive. I thought she drowned in the tub. But we get our big payoff and they cut to the chew spitter from the county fair. He's just kind of an overweight, slovenly looking guy with a bad beard and some makeup that makes him look more like a zombie than anything. And he kind of just rises up. He's got a crappy flannel on. He just kind of goes, and he rocks back and forth a little bit. And you're going, wait, this is the monster? And then, uh, this was actually something I thought was disturbing. Just assumed Chrissy drowned in the tub. But she's alive now, and Danny cuts her throat and shoves her into the Wendigo. And the Wendigo, they just cut to 
him grabbing yeah. her ankle and pulling her, and he's going to eat her and all. I just thought it was odd. Why are you killing her again? You're feeding the Wendigo. Why don't you just let the Wendigo... I mean, it, it, I mean, I don't know how you keep or maintain a Wendigo, but a lot of animals <laughs> like to eat. They, they like to have to hunt for it. i got to be honest. From what I've read about the Wendigo, you don't really keep a Wendigo. No. It's, like, it's you, hard to housebreak them. You avoid the Wendigo. You're not going to be keeping it. In the Deer Lodge basement. No. But you're right, it was an odd scene. She was dead. Was this a case where they that's all the footage they had? I kind of gave up trying to figure it out. Yeah. I, I was like, this was not necessary. I think they're trying to compete with the horror slasher market that's going on in the States. It's like, hey, we have to show at least some gratuitous violence. Even though she's dead already because we drowned her, she's going to be revived because the Wendigo is so effing scary <laughs> <laughs> that she's going to wake up. And then we're going to slit her throat. A better way to compete with the gratuitous violence of the time is to have a Wendigo that does <laughs> Wendigo-type <laughs> exactly. things. Exactly. Is it just some... Daryl from the Newhart Show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just some sad, overweight guy in the basement moaning. Uh, I was let down at that point. I'm like, okay. Well, maybe, now that we've seen him, he's going to run amok. Something's going to happen, but... It's New Year's Eve. What at the happens? Deer Lodge. At the Deer Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> well, at that point, we're hearing some more whispers of Jenny. The ghostie is smoking, and Jenny is hearing her voice whispered. We cut to a little shed with a light on outside the lodge, and then we see the shadow of an axe swinging which is a little confusing. We're like, whoa, is that is this the Wendigo? <laughs> Jenny's name is being whispered, and it's clear that Ghosty is communicating with her somehow. And Jenny is like, like is Ghosty her mom, her spiritual mom? Is she like possessing her? We don't know. And honestly, it kind of got to a point where I'm like, I don't really care. You guys... You guys lamed out on the on I don't the think the, I don't think the writer or director knew at that time. Well, I mean, well, he clearly said he's just making things up as he goes to shoot. Because if I'm a ghost keeper keeping a Wendigo, and I have people in my lodge, and for, I off one of them. First thing I would do is change my name yeah. to Wendigo Keeper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, my title is yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you see like those, those horrific elements. You hear the chopping of the axe like Michael Plant. All those things. Why don't take Marty and Jenny that same night? Like, I'm sure that Wendigo's hungry. I mean, I don't know how many people come up there every five years, but yeah. why, don't, why don't take care of them all one night? But instead, you're like, eh, we got one. Not the very best keeper, too. I mean... Like, is, does the Wendigo demand, like, super fresh kills? <laughs> yeah. <You know>? okay. <laughs> He's I, a demanding connoisseur. We're like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'll take that old dead human. But... It, I mean, we, I get the impression and throughout and we find out there's a plan for Jenny. Even though the, the way they follow this plan makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, Marty is expendable. I mean, he was expendable the moment he opened his mouth. Yeah. We, are, we are all waiting for him to die. There's a point where Jenny, she, she's hearing the whispers. She goes out into the hallway, goes to the top of the stairs. Ghosty is down there talking to someone. We assume it's Danny or maybe the, the, Wendigo. the real Wendigo. Wendigo. But she's talking to this person about the Wendigo and like saying, you did well. He needed us. He needed us. I got the impression the Wendigo was like Danny's brother, her other son. Maybe he went cannibal and he's now a Wendigo. So they're taking care of him. So they're basically talking about Chrissy. I'm going to have some more beer because it's a great place. Because honestly, it's here. It's that night where I think is when he ran out of money. 
because <laughs> when we start the New Year's Day, that's why I think it's a great place to stop and fill up my dine of the stock L. Talking about this cold winter thing, this drink is perfect for it because I think oh, yeah. this is because from this point onwards, it's not the movie I thought it would be. <laughs> and a lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it, <laughs> Up to this point, I'm thinking it was slowly paced, but okay, we see the Wendigo now. You know, it's the nighttime. Stuff is going to happen. It's a horror movie. And then all my expectations are just completely shot for each character. I don't even know if it was ever on rails, but it, <laughs> it goes off the rails pretty much. Because Ghosty, Jenny goes back, goes back to bed. Like Ghosty it, here... Can tell someone's up there, so she looks up. Jenny hustles back to bed. We wake up. So next morning, Happy New Year's. <laughs> Happy New Year. Jenny's alone in bed. Marty bailed. He's out trying to fix his machine. I like Marty goes out to fix his machine. Chrissy's machine is gone. They were right next to each yeah. other. He barely even acknowledges that. He opens up his machine to start. You know, he tries to start it. Won't start. He opens it. Kind of gives that dumb look that I would give because I don't really know how to fix motors. And I just, he kind of looks and he's, then he sees that some cord is broke and he goes in and confronts Ghosty. And Jenny's down there now too. Yes. Jenny, Jenny went down to, well, yeah. she got dressed. She heard yeah. Marty trying to start. And I just wonder, it wouldn't have shocked me if Marty got his, his snowmobile started. It wouldn't have shocked me if he would have just left yeah. and left Jenny. Yeah. Like he's just that horrible of a person. And he kind of does because when they're in there with Ghosty, he storms out and he goes to shit. I'm going to, and basically I'm going to try to fix this snowmobile. And Jenny's left there with Ghosty, who's really pushing this tea on her. Like, drink yeah. this hot tea. He, he tells her, babysit. You stay here and babysit. <laughs> yeah. And Ghosty does. She's like, just like, drink this hot tea. Hot I have not poisoned this tea. <laughs> Don't look tea. in there. Just what you need right now. <laughs> have the tea. This tea right here. Drink it. She's like a wicked witch, you know. Like, eat this. A really bad wicked witch. It's like, it's the worst wicked witch. Drink this poison. I mean, tea. And so, so, so Marty, Marty goes out, just kind of fails at everything. Yeah. And Jenny, she ends, she ends up taking a cup of tea, yeah. going out into the front room, which is beautiful. I mean, that, that's where I'd be hanging out usually. Yeah. There's a fireplace. There's a great view of the mountains. She sits down and just starts drinking tea. And, oh, my God. It is poisoned. <laughs> wow. I mean, her, I should say poison, but it's, it's drugged. It's drugged. She's, her vision starts going crazy, and she's doing some weird looks around the room, and then all of a sudden, it's pretty pretty creepy. That is a creepy the, This scene. side door opens, and Ghosty walks in. With Danny. And Danny, and she's like, I mean, I would be petrified yeah. if that was me. I would soil my armor. <laughs> and Marty, meanwhile, is just oblivious, doing yeah. his own dumb thing, being a bad person. Yeah. And that's when Jenny wakes up. They take her to a room... I'm not sure what this is all about. Because is this more like initiation? Because she wakes up in this room, and there's the book that, what was the title again? It's the Indian Legends of Canada, a real book, Ella Elizabeth Clark, 1960 published, page 120. She opens it, and we find out, oh, Wendigo sometimes needs to be kept. Well, keeping. There's some keeper (laughs) stuff going on there. Needs to be kept by a woman, and... That role is handed to another. Yes. It says that. Another thing I learned, I did not know that about the Wendigo. And it's not, it doesn't have to be, but that's just something that can often be. Yeah. And there you kind of go, oh, that's what's going on with Jenny. The weird connection with her and Ghosty 
his ghost, he has talked about, I'm getting too old for this shit, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Maintaining you know, my takes a lot she, out she, of you. She's the old cop in the, yeah. in the, in the cop buddy movie, yeah. you know? Danny Glover, you know? Getting too old for this. <laughs> and so she's, and she goes, and she says out loud, I've got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? At what point? Really? You just now realize that you need to get out of here? But she hears voices that bring her to an area, right, Michael? She hears... Jenny. Oh. Yes. Yes. Jenny. Yes. She leaves. Oh, and that's when she goes to that ice the wall. Ice wall. With the door. They left the key in the padlock. Danny just must be like, I always lose this key. Yeah. So no, I'm just going to. Wendigo's gonna, always getting out. The Wendigo can't get it. And he's like, I'm just always losing the key. So I leave it in. She unlocks the padlock, opens the door, and sees the same thing Chrissy saw. I mean, literally the same thing because it's the same yeah. shot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there is no argument. It's the same shot. The Wendigo just slowly goes... And I'm thinking at this time, it's going to explode out of there. This is this is it. We're going to have a chasing. bites, everything. No. No. Who shows up, though? All of a sudden, around the corner, Danny, with a chainsaw... Of course. Yeah. Because you have to have that horror trope just, now. It's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at a lodge. Who doesn't walk around a lodge with a chainsaw? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He comes out of nowhere... And starts chasing her. And it's actually kind of a fun little chase. They do a good job. I keep trying to figure out if she's supposed to take over Ghosty's job. Why is he trying to kill her with a chainsaw? The only thing I can think is this is a rite of passage and the person has to be strong enough. It's not explained. There's Fe- like, we're feats guessing. of strength. Are we yes, exactly. Like yeah. the, the feats of strength. <laughs> Clearly, like, maybe she of- has to kill... Her predecessor and her predecessor's family to take over. I mean, I have no idea. Once again, I don't think he knew until that day he was shooting. Because there's a point where Danny had a chainsaw and then he doesn't have a chainsaw. I think I identified the point when, and it almost looks like it gets stuck. And and honestly, don't even think it was planned. I think the actor was just like, ah, I got (laughs) to drop this and keep going. They go from the basement all the way up. To the top. Jenny keeps finding like yeah. new play- ways to get up to the next floor. She gets out on a door that, for some reason, opens to the roof. And Danny comes out, peeks around the door, and she shoves the door on him. He goes flying off the roof, lands on the wrought iron fence. Impels himself. He's quite dead. And Marty heard this. He heard the yell. You know, and Marty comes to help. And by help, I mean he doesn't help. No, and, and all of a sudden, he's, his character completely changes at this point. Where all of a sudden, he's aghast that this happened. I mean, I honestly feel that he's like, I can't believe Jenny did this to this poor guy. Feels bad for the guy trying to kill Jenny. And he turns his back on her and walks back to the shed. This is a point, too, where, where nothing makes sense because his character completely changes once he goes back to that shed. This is clearly a case of self-defense. Marty's a lawyer. And all he keeps saying, he says, you'll never get away with yeah, it. You killed Jenny. Him. And I was trying to figure out, and let me, I want to run this by yeah. you quick. Is Marty somehow possessed? Is this just a mental breakdown? Or is there like the ghost keeping thing? Is this, because it really doesn't make sense. This, this character goes from just being your garden variety a-hole to like completely unhinged and weird Jenny comes running down and goes, we need to get out of here. There's a monster yeah. in there. That dude tried to kill me. And he's basically taking the Wendigo and Danny's side. And is like, oh, you're never going to get away with this. Marches back to the shed. 
and starts Jenny with, follows him and she's he's face painting himself. I mean, I thought Reese. about Martin Sheen in <laughs> Apocalypse Now where the transformation makes no sense unless somehow the ghost keeper is, you know, he's possessed, possessed or, you know, using her powers on him to make him go crazy because he's painting himself with grease grease it's like it's like grease you would use in a mower yeah. or a snowmobile yeah. or something it's Snow like machine. grease you would find in a man's shed and he starts spouting off about my old man i never <laughs> saw him lose control all my life never even seen him shout just once just once love to see him get real mad the dialogue i'm like it's from another movie <laughs> it's like it is 100 from another movie or they just told the actor like do whatever you want yeah did you have something in mind and he's like ah i got a little something show my acting chops and this is we haven't even brought it up but this was right after not far after the shining and that was another thing he goes crazy is this like a little nod to the shining because he goes insane and this is once again Michael, I don't understand. The ghost keeper, she has seen her son, Danny, is dead and pelled. And she stands in front of Marty Snowmobile and then explodes. And I kept watching the scene to see if she has a gas can or something. Did she have powers? I guess I just assumed she, like, blew it up. <laughs> but with when what? you blow things up, it's got <laughs> gas or something. I mean, but yeah, she's just standing there and just blows yeah, up, but there's she nothing is, in her she hands. She literally is standing there and then it blows up. You're right. And then Marty, he despairs, yeah. and he goes, we can't get out of here now. But Jenny has the solution. Jenny goes, wait, Marty, there's a gun. We can get out of here because there is a gun. I saw a gun. It was in the closet. She's really clear yeah. on where the gun is, as if that's going to sway Marty. And that's when we get into the portion of the movie, a lot of walking. A lot of walking. We walking see. through the snow. And I'll tell you, as somebody who's been in like, <laughs> if you've ever been in like deep snow walking, it does take a lot out of you. So they're walking. She's yelling, chasing after Marty, yelling his name and going on and on about a gun. We get to the other part that is very shining. The shopkeeper from the beginning. We see him now walking, and it's these cutaway scenes where it's Marty walking, Jenny walking, Jenny eventually turning around and walking back to the lodge, the shopkeeper walking. It's just a bunch of walking. And the only thing I can think of is like, hey, we're making a horror movie. Really, our body count right now is Chrissy and Danny. And for a horror movie at that time, that's not a large body count. You have the shopkeeper who apparently now is going to check in because I made up a backstory. Their group of friends woke up New Year's Day, couldn't find them. They contact the shopkeeper, and he's like, yeah, I, I, I told them not to go, but maybe they did. I'll follow them up there. I'll shoo it up there. Completely used as a fodder for increasing the headcount. He's 30 feet from the lodge, and he <laughs> takes his snowshoes off and sticks them <laughs> into the snow and then walks through the snow to get in, which I thought was a little odd. But then he walks in, closes the door behind him, sets his gun in the yeah. corner. He takes his coat off sets it down and then he goes hello he doesn't pick the gun back up he has this look when he gets up to that road he looks up the road and you just feel it he knows there's there's some shifty things when he said what he said in the shop the day before he knows there's some there's scary ghost keeping and wendigos wendigo (laughs) stuff going on and he gives this look like oh boy i hope they didn't go up there and he walks through a door and ghosties back there. Really creepy. She like yeah. she's terrifying looking, holding this big old butcher knife. Yeah. And he's like, Hello. And she just starts Step stabbing down. him. Just stabbing <laughs> the hell out of the guy. And that's it. That's all he served. 
<laughs> End of scene. <laughs> Does nothing. It would make sense, for instance, if Jenny went back in and saw his gun and used yeah. his gun. It literally was just a body count death. And let's just also point out, they took the snowmobiles up. They're close enough to the shop. That guy walked up. I know. <laughs> he walked up that morning. So they're not that far from civilization. They this, were city folk. <laughs> this whole idea that, you know, you don't have the snowmobile yeah. and, you know, there's a gun. Yeah. We can get out of here because there's a gun is baloney. Just follow that trail back. Just, you can he just walk back. <laughs> and now we're at the big final showdown, the end of the, uh, the, end of the movie. Jenny sneaks back in up a set of stairs. Yeah. Fortunately, on the same floor is where the closet where the gun is. And the big showdown. It's between her and the ghost keeper. And the ghost keeper all of a sudden says, I'm your mom. Like, out of the blue. I mean, maybe that's something crazy people say. I kept going, is she the mom? Yeah. Or is she this... She's just using some sort of sneaky because the lady's mind games. the lady's crazy. I mean, she's she's a keeper of a mandiga. She's not a level person. <laughs> yeah, and this is a point too where if you're trying to pass not down, not going to a lot of bake sales. No, <laughs> not showing up with their muffins and stuff. <laughs> and if you're trying to pass down this title, you think she's acting really nice to Jenny. And Jenny still has a gun on there, and she's like, you know, hey Jenny, put down that gun and, and come to mother Jenny. And then all of a sudden. She shouts and raises the knife and jumps at Jenny, and Jenny shoots her. That's it. Maybe she had to die for the transference of the keeping of the Wendigo. Because then Jenny, and we're like an hour and 20 minutes in this movie, and there's still time left. There's like seven minutes left in this movie. And she walks down, and this is the third time you see the Wendigo. And at this point, you're like, man, F it. We're not going to see any Wendigos. There's whispering and Jenny opens the door to the Wendigo room and says, it's all right, Jenny will look after you now. And I'm like, what? And we know then she's <laughs> she's the new ghost keeper. She's a new ghost keeper. She walks out, another long scene, she walks out and finds Marty like frozen against a tree. And she said, you should have listened. So now she's talking to herself in third person. You, yes. should, have listened, you should have listened to Jenny. Speaking, speaking to oneself, of oneself <laughs> in the third person is never okay. No, no. You should have been nicer to Jenny. She's like, I'll be back for you. She's going to pull him in and feed him the Wendigo. That that was my take. Yeah. But, I mean, that, and that's, I'm assuming Danny... She's going to feed him all the Wendigo. The Wendigo's going to get <laughs> It's going to last a couple of years. And then she sits down in the lodge nighttime. She does do a little walking. There, there is more walking. <laughs> yes. She like walks around the lodge a bit. Here's this, it's over, isn't it? You've done good. You'll be fine. I'll look after you. And she just sits there and it's the old woman's voice saying these things to her voice. And you sitting there sipping some tea as the credits roll up. It's creepy. Yeah, it is. It's a creepy little end. There's no hero. No. <laughs> is Ghosty really talking to her? Is it just like since she killed Ghosty, does that mean she gets to hear her in her head? I'm not really sure. Jenny seems... She's not Jenny anymore. She's keeping the Wendigo. I try to look at this movie in a whole bunch of different ways. I'm like, well, they could have rewritten it this way. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Except you're saying, like, Jenny's crazy. <laughs> that old lady was crazy. She connected because Jenny's crazy. And like, I'm tired of this Wendigo maintenance. Like... <laughs> Like I need to when Digo made it, hand it off to someone else. And she does say she's old. Yeah, you know? and I mean she did. You know, it's like how how often can you stab people to death? Yeah, I mean that's got to get old. So let me ask you this: I know Michael. it's coming. I know. Would you recommend this movie? Ah, uh, um, okay. <laughs> yes, 
for a very specific <laughs> group of people. If you're into Wendigos, I don't know that I can recommend it. It's going to let you down. But there are things about this movie, and maybe it's just that repetitive watching did it to me because there is something, the tone and the mood of it really kind of got to me in a way that I sort of was looking forward to the next viewing that I would have. I think cinematography was nice. I think the, the soundtrack, the music really set a creepy tone, but it's hard for me to say, you got to go watch this movie. I can't, I can't say that. I know it's wishy-washy. It's yes, I recommend it with many reservations because it's got huge problems. Many, many problems. The acting isn't really that great outside of Ghosty. What about you, Jason? First of all, like <laughs> if you're going to watch this movie, knock it down with a couple of this stock L because it's delicious and it, it's knocked me down and I only have a little bit left. This is a damn good beer. And especially if you're, if you're in an area that has snow, nice cold New Year's Eve, if you're not a go out, I was never, a, I, used, I used to bartend. So I'm like, I don't go out on New Year's Eve. So if it was a nice cold night and you're just like, oh, I have Amazon Prime. <laughs> you know? That's, and you want to feel good. <laughs> and you have this and you're just like, I'm going to get like slowly buzzed. <laughs> this is a good one for it. This um, would be all right. So what I recommend this, if you want to see a good Wendigo movie, see Ravenous or um, I think it was done in 1999, or watch Wendigo, a more psychological thriller done in 2001. Even the TV show Supernatural and Sleepy Hollow have better Wendigo monsters than this. I cannot recommend this movie. That being said, if you somehow like to watch horror movies or B-movies related to a holiday, hey, here's one for New Year's. It's a New Year's movie. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Got a place. If you like cinema history and... You like that interesting component of the Canadian tax shelter movie. <laughs> I, I just gotta say, I, I like. I, I said yes for a very, very narrow group of people. I'm saying and, no. For and, and, and you're you're saying, hey, you found an even more narrow group. Hey, if if you're if you're into Canadian tax credit films, put this on your list. <laughs> Canadian tax credit films are your bag. Then, um, yeah, I think you should check out. That's an even more narrow field than I picked. <laughs> You know, there's always something you can learn. It has a creepy vibe. I don't think intentionally. I think they had to do it what they had. And by using every single piece of footage and editor Stan Cole did a marvelous job for what he had to make it feel ominous. It's slow paced. If you thought going into this, like you're going to see a typical 80s slasher movie, this is not it. <laughs> no, and I'm going to say this. It was slow paced, but I didn't think it was boring. It was just weird. And... A lot of it didn't make a lot of sense. It made no sense. And I, I think part of the reason it wasn't boring is you kept waiting for like this big Wendigo. entrance of a Wendigo to come out and start ripping people apart. <laughs> and then when it finally happened, like over halfway through the movie, when you see it, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> this is really about the ghosty. <laughs> this is not a very cool Wendigo. This is the world's worst monster. It's stopped by a cheap wooden door. You want to watch it and say, this is how not to do a Wendigo movie. <laughs> Or this is this is not how to portray a Wendigo. Next time you're skiing up in that area, you know, take a sidestep to that lodge. Apparently, they have the movie poster up there, and they'll walk you around. Apparently, like the... I totally would want to go there. Yeah, like that's that place is up my alley. I mean, I like the winter. I like the woods. You know, mountains are cool. I like sitting around a fire and drinking. Yeah. 
You Talking know, about Wendigos. But the screwing, <laughs> raping, pissing out windows, not my jam. <laughs> so this is Beer and Be Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael.